The state of New York does not want churches to be able to defend themselves. We think that's wrong, and we took it to court. Hi, I'm Stuart Shepard, and this is First Liberty Live. Thank you for liking and sharing our videos. You're an important part of this project, and we're glad that you're along on this journey with us. Michael Spencer is pastor of His Tabernacle Family Church in Horseheads, New York. Hi, Michael. Hello, Stuart. How are you today? I'm good. I appreciate your making time to talk to us. What was your reaction when the state told you that your congregation could not defend itself against an intruder? I think I was absolutely flabbergasted. It's a good word. Yeah. I found that I just shocked that the governoress would uh, overextend herself to the place of putting in laws that uh, stepped into the church world. You know, especially since they so desperately want separation of church and state, then they she walked right in and, and tried to steal the freedom of the Second Amendment away from the people of America right here in New York State. And what adds a whole uh, other dimension to this is you're someone who's actually been threatened. I mean, you've, you've had oh, threats made against times. you. Tell us about that as much as you can. Um, I've had uh, people, uh, well, we had one situation where a man uh, posted right online, uh, I'm going to find you and your wife, shoot you in the head with a 45, and eliminate uh, you from our area, which will bring peace. Wow. Uh, I've also had uh, had a neighbor one time, He, I don't know what his issue was, but he was sitting out on his lawn screaming at us for about two hours and then started shooting his weapon. We had, of course, the police come out, and their statement was, do you have a loaded weapon? And I said, absolutely. And they said, that's probably pretty wise. So we've had uh, issues from inside the church to outside the church where um, we've had people make uh, death threats. And, and, and I want to be clear on this so people understand where we're coming from. This is not whether churches ought to have people with weapons at the church to defend. It's whether you have the right to do that, correct? Correct. That is very correct. And uh, having the governor uh, tell you that you cannot uh, exercise the Second Amendment to protect the body of Christ is just outrageous. And the good news is the state, thanks to our intervention here at First Liberty, we got the state to back off. So effectively, at least for now, you've won. Give me your reaction to that. What, what, did you, what ran through your head when you realized that you'd managed to tell the state no? Well, I, I, I'm just so thankful for First Liberty. Honestly, who else would I have called? And, you know, Jeremy Dice is right on the scene with your team, and then other teams joined and uh, they prepped me, they taught me, they helped me prepare for the court. And um, I was so elated and absolutely shocked when uh, they stepped back. Very good. Well, we are honored to get to come alongside you. And this isn't the first time I've gotten to chat with you. During COVID, no, sir. Uh, we also represented your congregation. Give us a thumbnail on that just to help people remember what that case was all about. Well, when COVID hit, they, of course, told us they shut us down on Easter Sunday morning. And uh, uh, First Liberty stepped right in, had a letter to their office by Monday, and they rescinded, stepped back and left us alone. We actually started at meeting inside after that. Huh. And we were the only st church this uh, at the size that we are 
that uh, in upstate New York that was able to meet without having any obstruction. All right. Well, Michael, it's good to see you again. Thank you for making time for us. We're always cheering for you and praying for you. Well, thank you. And I'm so very thankful for First Liberty. Thank all of those who support and stand behind this ministry. And um, honestly, it's not time to lay down. It's time to stand up and it's time to take our position. And this is a firm that will stand with. And uh, I'm honored to be uh, honored that you are willing to stand with me. Thank you, Michael. Our attorney, Jeremy Dice, has worked with Michael Spencer in the church up there in New York for quite a while now, going all the way back to COVID and then this most recent case. And he's here with us now to talk about this one. Hi, Jeremy. Hey, sir. It's good to see you. This is not our usual. I mean, uh, we are a a nonprofit legal organization that exclusively does religious freedom cases. Second Amendment stuff is in our wheelhouse, but this case brought the First Amendment and the Second Amendment together in in, in a way and to focus that we've not seen before. You know, I've joked with other people that the amendments go in order, right? They're numbered, and so they go in order. So the Second Amendment, people should love us because ours comes first, right? Yeah. Well, you know, when we had this case come through the door, when Pastor Spencer reached back out and explained what was going on up in New York, Almost immediately, I remembered that image that is a real famous painting of the pilgrims back in Plymouth walking to their services, and the, 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 the pastor's in the middle, the priest is in the middle, and then on either end are pilgrim men carrying blunderbusses. Right? Yeah. And so it just came all shooting back into my memory. And thankfully, the court's jurisprudence recently here on both the Second Amendment and the First Amendment has heavily relied upon what they're calling the history and tradition test. In other words, do we have evidence throughout our history of a tradition in this country evolving that supports whatever issue might be? In some cases, it may be a public monument involving religion. Uh, but in the Second Amendment context, it might be, you know, where are you allowed to carry a weapon and, and who's allowed to carry it? Well, here they come and merge into one. Yeah. Uh, and so what was very fascinating about this case was, yeah, it was primarily a Second Amendment case, or at least I think the opponents thought it was going to be only on a Second Amendment case. But we were able to plead First Amendment uh, law in addition to the Second Amendment claims. And ultimately, that proved to be the most persuasive thing we could have actually done in the case. And you shared with me that those that were also challenging this particular bit of law were challenging it on a Second Amendment basis, and they, they weren't successful. Yeah, there were a lot of lawsuits brought under this law, as you might imagine. This was a test case, and people would get really excited about these types of cases because they have far-reaching effect. Yeah. And so, yeah, there were uh, synagogues that challenged this. There were churches, all uh, plenty that, that filed these lawsuits all over the country to try to litigate this case. And they all pled it on Second Amendment grounds, including the houses of worship that filed their suits. Yeah. We were, I think, the only one to actually plead the First Amendment in addition to the Second Amendment claims. And at the end of the day, all the people who didn't plead that lost. We were the only one to actually survive that because we pled the First Amendment argument in our pleadings. Help us understand how that argument played out in the courtroom. For those of us that aren't attorneys, how did this work out? How did we convince the, the yeah, judge? We, we just simply said there's there's two things, and they're they're all within the First Amendment. They're, they're, they're just two different clauses, right? So there's yeah. the free exercise clause and the establishment clause, and we argued both of them. We would say that this was a, a uh, restriction on the free exercise of religion. In other words, it was the state of New York telling Pastor Spencer that he could not authorize people to do something that he deemed necessary to his church operation. And so that was a problem in and of itself for the free exercise clause. And by the same token, for the state to say you must do something would violate the establishment clause. In other words, saying that you had to have a gun-free zone as a part of your church 
would be a tantamount to the state establishing a religion or at least telling you what you can or cannot do. A lot of people are smiling as you make that argument because it, it's kind of, uh, it turns everything on its head to what we're used to hearing. It absolutely does, but thankfully, you know, if, if there's a stick laying on the ground that helps me beat my opponent, I'm going to pick up the stick and <laughs> use it for sure. But yeah. in, in this situation, it, it, was, it was great that we had the biggest stick of all, which would be the First Amendment and the Constitution to push back against the state of New York for just simply going rogue with their uh, bureaucratic and administrative state. Uh, and I think that was ultimately very persuasive to the Second Circuit, which I might add is not necessarily one of the circuits we might think would be predisposed to honoring the First Amendment arguments that we made in this case. And certainly the Second Amendment arguments were uh, much more difficult to, to be made, and the, the Second Circuit was not as impressed by those arguments as they were by the First Amendment argument, which, again, I'm very happy about because that means that Pastor Spencer, uh, he wins, but it's going to have far-reaching effects beyond Pastor Spencer himself. There's something I brought up to him that I want to get your take on as well, and that is, as an organization, we're not saying that churches ought to have weapons for self-defense. We're just saying you have a right to if you choose to, correct? No, more fundamentally than that, we're saying that the, the people who get to make that decision don't reside in Albany or Washington, D.C. They reside in the elders' meeting room. The deacons get to make that decision. The pastor gets to make that decision. Yep. The diaconate, the presbytery, whatever you want to, whatever your church governance is, it is proper for the church to make that decision and not for the government to make that decision. Uh, and so it is right and proper when government oversteps its rightful role and authority to push back and say, hold on a second, the limited authority that we gave you by forming this more perfect union did not include these that you're trying to impose upon us. This belongs to us. You didn't get to have these rights. And so uh, I love the outcome of that to remind the administrative state and the government officials that uh, carry it out every day there are proper authorities, there are proper limitations placed upon that authority. The people did not give over every right that they, they could have. We won, but it's complicated. Help us understand what we won, what, what actually went down. Well, the easiest way to say it is that we were able to stop the measure, the portion of the law, invalidate that portion of the law that restricted the free exercise of religion in the Establishment Clause. So we, we stopped that portion of our application towards houses of worship generally. Which is so an injunction. It's an injunction, right? We asked for a preliminary injunction initially, meaning initial relief. We won that. Yeah. We then had to appeal that, or we went on appeal with that because the state appealed that decision. And so we went along on appeal one, and we won that on the, at the Second Circuit Court of Appeals as well. Now, we received word from the state of New York after we won at the Second Circuit that they no longer want to fight with us. And so they're willing to convert the preliminary relief, the initial relief that we received, into permanent relief. What that means is that that portion of the law is a dead letter. They can't enforce that against his Tabernacle Church and, frankly, against any other church in the state of New York. Very good. Anything else you'd like to share before I let you go? You know, what I'm excited about with this case is, yes, it's a win for Pastor Spencer, who's been a wonderful client to work with. It's a win for the state of New York because it invalidates that section of law that prevents it from being imposed upon all those other churches and houses of worship that uh, applied only under Second Amendment grounds. We won for them as well. Yeah. But more importantly, there are a lot of other states paying attention to this issue. It's not just New York. Uh, Maryland has got some legislation they're looking at right now similar to that. Chicago or Illinois has looked at various gun laws to make significant restrictions. All the other states that want to have some restrictions placed upon gun ownership and the, the right to carry those weapons wherever they might be, they're all looking at that saying, oh, we've got to pay attention to the First Amendment argument here as well. Uh, we'll be less concerned about the pure Second Amendment concern. We'll let some of our other friends work on that issue. Yeah. But I'm happy to know that other states are taking notice of what happened in the Second Circuit and are being much more careful about 
what their overreach might be, if it will lead to some sort of interference with the First Amendment. So it's a win for Pastor Spencer. It's a win for his Tabernacle Church. It protects the entire state of New York. But by extension, it really protects everybody across the country. Very good. Jeremy, thank you so much. Appreciate your insights. My pleasure. If you're a supporter of First Liberty Institute, this is your victory as well. Your fingerprints are all over this, and we're appreciative of your support. If you would like to join us in, in the future battles that we're going to wage, uh, please consider clicking on the big red Give button up at the top of our website. And let me just say thank you in advance from all of us. First Liberty is fighting for what matters most.